Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your almost weekly, sometimes twice weekly, rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I have a gig at a place called Freethink. We, we make videos about people and the way the world is changing and how it's exciting. Um, but right now, I am here as a representative of this very fine podcast, uh, and I'm delighted because this is our, at least it's, it's going to be numbered the 100th episode unless something goes terribly askew. And on this incredible journey to 100, I've been joined by some very remarkable humans. Obviously, they're men. Um, <laughs> what was that? It's a little bit of misogyny at the front wow. end of the podcast. It was a joke. Were they, were they lobsters? It was a joke. I don't, a I, joke. Don't, I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm joined by Matt Welch, editor-at-large, Reason Magazine. Yeah. He's, he's here clapping for himself, which yep. is good. Always. And Mac, Michael Moynihan. No one else is clapping for him. Michael Moynihan, Who? Michael Moynihan, Vice News Tonight, Stop and also talking. also contributes various things to the uh, to the other show when it's not Vice News Tonight, but Vice it's just Vice HBO. News on HBO. It's just Vice on HBO. Um, and he uh, he is in yeah. the building. He's been on on the road, so we'll hear about his adventures. And been of course, uh, our <laughs> our our faithful comrade Shoot Anthony Fisher, also in the building, contributor to many very fine publications. He's a, a journalist and a thoughtful human being. And a very good friend. Gentlemen, I'm pleased to be here with you all today. Oh. How the hell are you? Oh. How are you, man? Where's uh where's Boynihan been? I don't know. <laughs> I mean I just like, like roughly. How many shows have I missed? I don't know. Like, like seven. Three to seven. A lot. I there. missed a lot. Yeah. But I've noticed <laughs> I've noticed on Twitter and various things that I don't think I was uh, I was very missed. No, it's just that no, we did these really missed shows. I but mean, do people... you see when you do great shows and someone isn't around for them, maybe there's some to that. Well, maybe you keep me out of the keep, I, you keep I, me don't, out of the I don't know, know because there was also a lot of polls out there. Ben Price or, or, or perhaps <laughs> oh, our most ben, loyal listener. But Ben Price is one of our most loyal listeners. This he was I'm out a big there. fan of Ben Price. Yeah, because he's, he's making Moynihan polls all day and night. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Which is, is the, the I think he gave me some crypto too at one point. Ben Price might Where are the where are the rest of that, you? No. Did you cash that crypto? <laughs> no, Camille got the, the real crypto that we got, which is some Bitcoin cash, and he's keeping it and no one no one knows where it is. Moynihan's pointing at here, it's here on my computer, and it's still in the same format yeah, okay, in which Mr. I received Cohen. it. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. holding it all. I, that, wow. wasn't, that wasn't an anti-Semitic joke. That was a reference to Donald Trump's lawyer. It wasn't just an anti-Semitic yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, all right, Shylock. It wasn't that. We are very friendly. We're a Philo-Semitic Merchant podcast. of Venice, my very yeah. favorite Shakespeare play. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. It it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Black Richard Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> which which essentially just makes me a member of the Nation of Islam. Yeah, which is fine. Exactly. It's the same thing. Exactly. I You're just want everyone to, who is at home listening to this um, to realize that the five minutes before we turned yeah. on the mic, yeah. basically Moynihan and Camille were doing an exaggerated drug deal. It was yeah. a super, I don't yes. even know, like there's yes. different uh, I think all we were qualities. doing was we were fantasizing to, we, about internet, like, some One drug. particular pharmaceutical they were talking about and we yeah. were trying to figure out where we could get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben Price will give us crypto if there are any doctors out there that have a loose prescription hand of? and uh, want to, I don't know, we'll, tell, we'll talk about it. <laughs> 
I'm not, I don't have narcolepsy, but maybe I could. The, the, the seizures are kind of getting to. Yeah. I am potential wonder, seizures. I am wondering though, is Ben, was Ben the first person to send us alcohol? He might he have been. been. He might yeah. have been. That's the kind of thing that we yeah. ought to know. Huh. But we're probably a little bit too well, drunk. He Everything knows. I he do, knows and I us. do it for Ben Price. I think Ben may actually uh, make a poll out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. But he gave me, I want to thank Ben because I think Ben uh, uh, gave me a little bit of crypto. Um, I don't have much because I, I was. I was busking for, for cryptocurrency at one point. And then to like uh, Camille, of course, cut it off and like set up like a fifth column wallet, uh, crypto wallet. And then it, that's like full of like hundreds of dollars. And I and I, I don't have that. But I do. Let me look at my coin, my Coinbase account now from what uh, from. Let me see where this is, where I am right now yeah. at the the um, the donated crypto. I am at uh, forty four dollars uh, in various uh, hey, most of it, Ethereum. Um, I did. Oh, I did a piece on Ethereum that was on the weekly show that, saw that. We, we were t we talked about a little bit on the show mm -hmm. uh, with Vitalik, uh, the man who uh, Buterin Buterin who created Ethereum, and that was on the show. The couple that's the Iceland. Uh, there was a bit of ice, and we were in Iceland, and we were in Russia for it. Yeah, yeah. And have then, you done a, a crypto uh, Venezuela piece yet? You can't get into no, Venezuela, right? No, I was denied a visa for Venezuela this year, um, and we actually sent. Uh, somebody else, uh, one of the, actually the company's founders, uh, who's Canadian, has a Canadian passport, and the people who shot it were British, and they uh, they got in uh, in a different way. But I was trying to get in, and they they refused me a visa. And then the guy who's trying to get me the visa, who's who's was sponsoring me, um, I think got in a little trouble for that, for trying to get me a visa. Um, so we thought about other ways of getting in, but just thought it was too too risky. But I'm I'm not I'm not allowed back into Venezuela, because Americans need a. a, a, a a visa to get in. That was not the case. But the Obama administration put visa restrictions on Venezuelans because as things were getting really, really bad, Venezuelans were who had a little bit of money were coming to the U.S. and staying. Uh, so they put some visa restrictions on. And that now has been a reciprocal action from the, the horrible people in Miraflores Palace. So I'm, I'm not allowed into Venezuela anymore. Too bad. Bring it all down. So so just give me some crypto. <laughs> I don't know how that's related. Or some Metamucil on the Internet. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how it's related, but I want some crypto. Well, well. Well, I'm grateful to all the people who've sent us things uh, yeah, over the course so of this nice. uh, over the course of this podcast. Um, a lot of it on the table right now. Run here, Some yeah. We do table. we do have a bunch of alcohol yeah, on the table. From? Anthony Fisher was uh, good enough to, to bring us some celebratory uh, yeah, champagne, champagne here yeah. to celebrate the hundredth uh, anniversary. 100th, yeah, hundred. I mean, it was just I a, didn't even think about this. It really is more than hundred. It, yeah, it's <laughs> like very bad. Um, were you like in, in Iowa? I was in Iowa yesterday. By the way, Des Moines is kind of, I like it. I had a fun night in Des Moines last is night. Is it the Boise of the Midwest? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Because Boise pretty rad, actually. Boise's rad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Iowa City the night before, and then um, and then I realized some people we know that live in Iowa, but I realized that the next day. But uh, then I was in Des Moines last night, and, uh, and the plane got canceled. So we stayed uh, in Des Moines, and it was, like, really fun. I went to this bar and called Black Sheep or something. It was, was it weird. in like one of those repurposed industrial warehouses? The, the bar? Yeah. It was like in the basement. Yeah. And it was a, um, it was like a tequila bar and the theme was a Catholic, it was like a Mexican Catholic goth bar was the guy, the way the guy described. Yeah. In Des Moines. In Des Moines. Empty. And it, yeah, it was totally empty. <laughs> yeah. and there was porn. There was literally porn playing on the wall. Only Steve King in the corner. Yeah, like, Steve, ah, yeah. there might be a Mexican <laughs> here. Get just, the net. Yeah, just someone. Steve basement. King. Steve King was one of the many people who have walked away from me in Des Moines. Uh, Rand Paul. I had a little tough interview with him. We never used it because he, he got out pretty quickly. But I. I wait, I, wait, wait. Rand Paul was thin skinned. Yeah. Really? I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He, pe so he, he pepper sprayed me. Walked away. <laughs> but Steve King walked away from me. Uh, and I, I, I buttonholed him in, a, in the debate. 
in Des Moines during the Iowa caucuses. And, it, and that actually is, exists on the, you can watch that online. Uh, it was like an immigration piece and, and he, he lasted, I think about three seconds. And what was your first question? Is there a Mexican in your pants? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said in a Boston accent, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Who's going to pick the lettuce? <laughs> and then he, he was like, ran away. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Well, I, I did want to thank um, Joe Foley, who was good enough to send us not one, but two bottles of alcohol. What? Uh, some green spot, single something, another Irish whiskey. Oh, wow. Look at that. Um, and uh, a bottle of whistle Jeez. pig. Did two, he send both two, of these? Two, yes, he did. Good indeed. God. He's a very generous soul. He also sent us um, four count them four magnetic bumper stickers for uh, a presidential campaign <laughs> that is not is not official uh, the the bumper stickers read Camille 2000 it's in the, 2000? the slogan under 2020, 2020. sorry that death race get off the um, <laughs> I wish I was on it um it's called nuance is the slogan that appears underneath yeah. Camille 2020 it's pretty um, good I, uh, I'm grateful for the alcohol, and we will totally put these uh, magnetic bumper stickers on our non-existent cars. We live in New York, dude. Seriously. Yeah, but I will n I will note something that he made the magnetic. Yes, because he knows that you're going to disappoint him, and you can take it <laughs> off pretty easily. You don't want to get that like chisel to get it yeah. off. This is why I'm not running. This yeah, is why. Exa exactly. This so is why America will never truly be made great again. I will say that in my last two weeks, I was uh, a lot. Uh, I was in the Midwest a lot. I was, uh -huh. um, and I was in the South. I was all over. I was in Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, uh, and then I was in Iowa and stuff. And 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 really uh, undiminished support for Donald Trump. Yeah, just just for the record. Yeah, just for the record. Not surprised by and that. And did you see the thing that I posted on on Instagram? No, as an Instagram story, so it disappeared. Of um of the uh, uh, mammy <laughs> things what? at Sorry. the. Uh, Shell gas station in Tennessee. What you talking about, Willis? I was, so, I was hot <laughs> meal. Was yeah. Interesting. yeah, yeah, yeah. Emmy. Yeah. Was there, there a was, magical Negro too? I, dude, it was crazy. It was in a. I went. To, Chef Boyardee. There was also. <laughs> and, and if you're from, by the way, if you're from, um, where the fuck was I? Outside of Nashville, I remember it was in Nashville. Uh, I think it was Nashville. Yeah, it was Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're from Nashville and you're if outside of Nashville, you might know a gas station that has an enormous, enormous, and I'm going to show it to you enormous indian statue uh in front of the gas station like you, you know like indian not not like from mumbai just for the record feather uh doing a, a sieg heil what and inside there was a um is, is he actually doing a sieg heil or he just has his his arm extended Camille's going to if anybody no i just want to i want to be if sure anybody, uh, listen there are many gestures that one can make with their arm and someone might outstretch their arm because they're looking out over a vista and they're gesturing <laughs> at all of the oncoming cars. What is, is totally taking <laughs> what pictures is of your seat. Yeah, that, oh, uh, isn't that the south? Isn't that the way you extend your arm when you say like how? Like uh, in the, no. in the TV how's, shows? How is it straight up? Like, yeah. Fisher knows. First so of all, the sculptor made it too. The sculptor First of all, made him say how. That's in F Troop. <laughs> <laughs> all of Camille's knowledge of Native American culture comes from F Troop. Oh, well, you said, but, what do you I, mean Native American? What are you uh, even talking Fisher, about? Fisher, I don't know if you can see her on my show. What is that? Can you sound if you can see that? I mean, yeah, that's a total Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's an Indian making a Nazi salute. And so then I, and then so I you, gave, you gave your business to this Nazi place? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. It was a shell gas station. Mammy <laughs> it had mammy teapots and next to Confederate flag chocolate. Whoa. I haven't seen stuff that I've racist never since the last time I've been in I France. I've never felt more from Massachusetts than that moment. But I really wow. wanted that. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. It's crazy. That's just one of them. There was a wow. whole... There was a whole yeah. wall of them. I thought Short people from Massachusetts red. didn't actually see racism. 
Um, <laughs> no, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> I mean, you're obviously listening to this on a podcast, so I'll post them online so you can see wow, them. Wow, she's so pretty black. Good. Yeah, that, is that the, was pretty. The blackest was, mammy ever created. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Wow. And it was in a Shell-affiliated gas station in Tennessee. And I'm I'm sure Sinclair many Brock. of those and are I, like... And then I was... And by the way, I was sitting there thinking, like, I get all upset about this stereotype. Uh, it's the last acceptable stereotype to South. And I'm like, you know what? Stop having mammies in the Shell Station. <laughs> That's where you get the stereotype. Everywhere you, I went, there were Confederate flags. Cut it out. You know what's funny? You oh, lost. We've, we've gotten... Um, we, we, should get to, we should get to the program because it... We're this is the program. program. I know, I know. I know. Uh, we've gotten some complaints, however, oh, in, uh, no. in recent weeks, and I want to say this. Serious? I want to say this at, at the hundredth <laughs> at the hundredth episode mark, and you can indulge us. God damn it, you didn't pay for this. You can always skip past the the banter at the ben front Price end. Ben Price paid for it. Um, I, I <laughs> so, just so you know, we see like all of the emails. Yeah. Um, and we read them. We don't get a chance to respond to all of them. Really grateful to everybody who writes, even the people who write in with silly complaints. Um, but yeah, we, we got some complaints about the uh, the length the length of our opening banter, which and has been oh. which has been called grab ass by certain I mean, people. Come on, who? I don't know. Who are these people? That's what I'm saying. Show it's your face. Okay, exactly. I want. This is what I want. I want oh, a Ben God. Price poll. Uh, yeah, banter. No yeah. banter, or just like banter, zero to five, five to ten, <laughs> yeah, fifteen to twenty. Let's let's, uh, let's seriously. I, I'm not. I'm seriously. going to ignore the results. There are pe- of that seriously poll. people complaining about this. Yeah, I'm going to ignore the oh, results of that. Oh, one hand's getting into one of those mass hall rages. Um, but I, I got will... low blood sugar. Got a couple of drinks in there. <laughs> yeah. This is gonna get a go fuck yourself pretty soon. <laughs> wow, that uh, that first bottle is like. Just yeah. Yeah. But I, right. I just wanted to just wanted to say on the record, we, we really are grateful for all of the, the enormous support and the, the millions of downloads of uh, the podcast. It's actually been millions? like a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the millions. I, we do, but we don't support the um, people who complain about the opens. No, don't. I mean, come on. Don't complain about the open. Skip the open. If you don't want it, skip it. I you mean, ever listen to, you ever listen totally to uh, this is a this is a stupid aside, but we'll get to the actual substance. <laughs> you what ever a, listen to Mark Maron's podcast? If you no. listen to Mark Maron's podcast, sometimes he has good guests on. You get used to starting 15 minutes in. I just scrub through 50 because it's yeah. this unbelievable, tedious rant. I hope we're not doing that. It's hard but to do. You know what? You download the whole thing. It's not, it's like TiVo. Is TiVo still exist? You just <laughs> can sure. skip by it. I don't know. Slingbox. I don't know. Slingbox. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's. Isn't uh, that a Billy Bob Thornton thing? We, we are doing some uh, news of the moment stuff. <laughs> maybe, slingbox. Maybe we'll get to some of that slingbox? stuff. I think Slingblade was the Stop Billy it. Bob Thornton. You're fucking Slingbox. Yeah. Um, but there's been plenty, there's been plenty of stuff that's happened over the course of the last week or so since we last did one of these dispatches. Um, there was the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Today is Press Freedom Day. Perhaps there's some connection and there's some comment we may have on that, but later for that. Nope. Um, the... (laughs) No connection. (laughs) There's a bunch of new developments with respect to Donald Trump and the Mueller investigation and Mr. Cohen and one Stormy Daniels. So I think there's plenty of stuff for us to look at there. Rudy. There are a lot of new developments. Yes, and Mr. Giuliani, who Rudy. had a heart to heart with Mr. Sean Hannity yesterday. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of developments, continue to be a lot of developments and interest in what Kanye West is doing, which suggests perhaps that the uh, Russian investigation isn't yielding the fruits <laughs> that it used to, because we're By all way, obsessed with what's happening with Kanye. Did you? Weird. So I missed, like, as like Kanye's on TMZ and Kanye's doing yeah, this, yeah. Kanye's doing this. Uh-huh. I did listen when I was on the plane the other day. I listened to the new, uh, the two new tracks that he posted on his website. Uh-huh. Did you listen to the first one? Yeah, the one with him and T.I.? No, the or one. The, the, the instrumental poop, the track. The Pooper Scooper one? 
Well, it's not. It's not actually. It's instrumental until yeah. he starts talking about a pooper scooper at the end, yeah. and then two seconds later Wait, he's on. He does that at the. I didn't oh listen that Oh my god! Far. It's the most insane thing. He's like pooper scooper, so crazy. <laughs> it's clearly about picking up the shit of Kim Kardashian's dog. It's like really weird. And then everyone's. And then afterwards, like two minutes later, I'm on Twitter, and it's like him pleading, like, "Why is everyone saying I have mental health issues?" <laughs> you released a track online that's an instrumental, and the end is like yeah, for him free. For, yeah, but yeah, for free. But he's the messing last, around. Yeah, but the last like three minutes are him talking about poopers scoopers. That sounds funny. It's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, sounds funny. I kind of like Kanye. Um, so <laughs> we we talked a little bit about Kanye last week, but I, we may revisit that. Um, there's also all sorts of crazy foreign policy stuff going on, gentlemen. Where where do we start this conversation? Where would you where would you like to go? God, that green spot is delicious. Is it's it? pretty good. Oh, it's yeah. really good. Good. Yeah. Good. It goes right down. Oh, it's a product of Ireland. <laughs> Fucking lovely. God, I love that. Uh, Camille, I want to know, because last we talked about Kanye last week a little we bit. We did. We did. But before we started, when when like the Adderall was starting to peak, uh-huh. and I think you were just going to strangle Anthony for sport. <laughs> Nothing he did or said, but like uh, you were like, I totally support Red Pill Kanye. And well, since I'm going on the Bill Maher show tomorrow, uh, and this is obviously going to be a topic here, uh-huh, uh-huh. I want to be coached. Who's on uh, with you? <clears throat> um, I'm going on with Michael Hayden, former CIA director. Tell him I said hello. Did you guys get a little reach around? I, no, I did a yeah. We had a nice uh, like uh, two hour interview a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I was very he was a very he's a I very nice so. man. Hmm. Yeah, I like uh, him. And a lot. Uh, Sally Cohn. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you're going on with her. Yeah, and so but we're talking about Kanye, and so I want to uh-huh. hear Camille's uh, defense of Kanye's red pilling because I I, well, I watched just a little bit of. Uh, of the TMZ tape. And I've generally been in favor of Kanye being crazy and talking mm-hmm. about uh, free thought. And, uh, and even though he immediately bypassed the sort of sane Camille Foster uh, lane here in his explorations <laughs> of a post plantation society or whatever the fuck he is doing. Mm. Um, uh, he was talking about like liposuctions and you people and this is the fat, and I'm just trying to do this. He didn't make any goddamn sense to me at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm interested to, in your uh, defense of red pilling. Well, this is this is the thing, <laughs> and just a little bit of context here. It's been what like three weeks since Kanye reactivated his Twitter account. What really got everyone animated was he put on a "Make America Great Again" hat. He said that he loved Donald Trump. He also said he loved Hillary Clinton. Um, but he uh, made an announcement that he was following. He really liked the thinking of a woman named Candace Owens, who refers to herself as red, black, red pill, black chick, um, is a young YouTuber turned, uh, Fox news contributor and a, she, she has some now, sort of right. position at, uh, at turning point. I think she's a contributor now. I see her on like all the time. Her main thing is um, turning point. Yeah. But she works at turning point as well. Um, so in either case, Kanye likes what she's talking about. Uh, he didn't link to any of our videos, but he has since then been actually talking about certain things. Um, and Kanye West has said a number of dramatically ill-informed things in recent days. Mm. Um, he's also said a lot of profoundly misinformed things since he has been a prominent celebrity. That's this right. is kind of Kanye's shtick. I've seen criticism saying that, you know, oh, my God, this is the banality of celebrity. These these people and oh, suddenly we're supposed to care about this person who is famous for doing A and now is doing B or talking about B. No, no, no. This is what Kanye West does. It is groping with some concept or idea out in the ether in, in public. If sometimes he'll spout off and say 
goofy things that don't make a lot of sense or are just completely untrue. Like there's a throwaway bar in one of his early songs where he says, and I know the government administer AIDS. No, they don't. But you do believe that. I don't doubt it. It was untrue, for example, when he said that George W. Bush doesn't care about black people. People were fine with that, though. They they accepted the weirdness of Kanye West at that moment. There was a, it, fairness, because it goes in one direction. Broadly, yes. But also people were like, well, no, some on. some people. There was a, a sense of propriety. There was a propriety outrage similar to the White House Correspondents Center all, all, uh-huh. on some level. I mean, just the look on Mike Myers' face, I think the, a, a nation cried out yeah, in, some, in, in some empathy, people, some people although did. they also yeah. really loved how uncomfortable but it a lot was. of his a lot of his core audience was like there for that and were yeah. fine with yeah. it. Um, obviously, there was a, a famous sort of apology afterwards. But in either case, Kanye West says like crazy things. But what you, I either, think is a, you either like it or you ignore it. People yeah. never point out, you know, uh, KRS-One, number one, <laughs> or like look at or Roseanne techniques. Barr, who is kind of a lovable kook. When she was a Green Party candidate mm-hmm. and when she was talking about how the Bush administration blew up, you know, tower, uh, the, the Twin Towers and, you know, like World Trade Center 7 or whatever the hell she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, she blocked me, by the way, a long time ago. I just remembered this. And I went to look at her tweets and it said, you're blocked by <laughs> But nobody really cared until and, and the apoplexy comes when she supports Donald Trump. She's crazy now and she was crazy then. This is the same sure. thing is true with Kanye. Everyone's like, oh, my God, he's tweeting about Candace, whatever the hell her name is. Yeah, Thomas Soul quotes, too, right? Right. Yeah. yeah there's and yeah. by the way, he's not doing this to sell records. This is not because this is no, not. He's not. It's, I mean, if anything. How do you know that, by the way? Well, he's been. Because it's going to hurt records. Yeah, it's, not, it's not going okay. to be helpful but to also, He's also I, been explicit about what he's doing here. And <laughs> I mean, it's, it's less about the ideas. He said explicitly, I'm not a conservative. I don't know enough to know what that even is. He's I feel searching. empowered. I feel empowered engaging with ideas that I'm told I can't engage with. I put on the MAGA hat because people told me I shouldn't put it on. That, um, and I, 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 I rebranded it in like, my own way. I like that. And this is and this is what I mean when I yeah. say I am defending Red Pill Kanye. That instinct to go against the grain, to 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 break with convention and to experiment with new shit is precisely what he does in his music. And it's precisely what he does with his personal philosophy, even if the philosophical ideas he's pulling from are extracted from a YouTube playlist. This is this is where he's going. Sorry. You know, uh, what? I, I, I so, wish that he was pulling from a, a, a better repository. How but soon do you think he's going to get to the League of the South? I don't know about that. I don't Just know. Like within like four I, I, or five there days. was a lot of uh, civil war sort of anti-history, but there's something else, though. The the TMZ video is the but thing that really that, made headlines let's, this let's, week. Uh, let's take a, a quick step on the, 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 the civil war anti-history. Thing. Uh-huh. When you say slavery was a choice, it makes no sense. But, but it's it also does make not, sense. But it's also not what he was saying. It's not what he was saying. Yeah. But it's from what I can gather, I didn't watch the video. It's <laughs> utter nonsense when you when you read it, say like, you know, slavery is a choice. Yeah. It seemed to me the more I read about this, because I couldn't, I was trying to watch this video on a plane uh-huh. and it wouldn't stream because they block YouTube. And so I'm reading about it and reading about it. And it strikes me that, I mean, he's wrong, but he's wrong for different reasons. It struck me, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, uh-huh. that he was saying what people say when they talk about the Holocaust. I mean, you know, man, if I was one of them Jews, I would have just fucking kicked their asses. I would have fought back. That's essentially what he was getting That's at. That's essentially what he was getting at, yeah. right? It's wrong. It's stupid when people say it about the Holocaust. Uh-huh. Jews should have fought back. Why didn't they fight back? But- it's the same. It struck me that that's what he was saying, not that it was a choice. Like I could walk off this plantation. But I think, Although, it, I think it's right even about prisons. Yeah, like it's even. It's also prisons. wrong. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just saying that the, the bottom line are, is it's convoluted. Don't understand why he's wrong. Yeah, I think he's wrong about different reasons. He was trying reasons, to make so. some sort of convoluted point 
related yeah, to related point. to <laughs> related to people being in thought prisons. It's the reason why he went to prisons next. He actually started talking about slavery because that's what the media is trying to do. It's, it's they're, they're attacking me with these smoke screens that I'm not going to fall for. Like I see you got Daz Dillinger on it. So they put um, a media takeout. It said the Crips have a hit on Kanye West. Right. And I said, wow, this is really like the Malcolm X movie. They're really going to send some black people to kill me. And then when I read it, it said the Crips are going to beat Kanye up when they see him. And I was like, oh, that's so dope. They love me. That's like my brother. Your brother beat you up. Like, man, you getting out of line, bro. You tripping. I'm going to beat you up. I was like, oh, man, that's love, man. Dads love me and I love dads and so you're not so taking that seriously? That's how you took it when you saw when you saw the video of Daz saying... Oh, you could live through an ass whooping. You ain't gonna live through, you know, what I think that they're, they're, they're probably the idea is to beat sense into me, but you know, um, when you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. <laughs> like, you was there for 400 years and it's all of y'all? You know, like, it's like we're, we're mentally in prison. I like the word prison because slavery goes too, too direct to the uh, idea of blacks. It's like slavery, Holocaust, Holocaust Jews, uh, slavery is blacks. So prison is something that unites us as one race, blacks and whites being one race, uh, that we're, one, we're, we're the human race. We're human beings and stuff. And eventually, you know. Um, can can, can yeah. I go back to something yeah. you just said? Because yeah. I don't want to let it pass. You yeah. said that slavery was around for 400 years at a point it becomes a choice? Yeah, right now we're 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 choosing to be enslaved. There's a metaphor there. This wasn't about him offering up a, a thoughtful analysis of the magnitude and severity of slavery, but he was just lambat based for trying to use this sloppy ass metaphor. And the one thing that that has really annoyed me about pulling this one quote out of context, getting really agitated about, oh my God, how could you say this about slavery? is the very sort of personal outrage that people express when they talk about this. You know, we have suffered for 400 years in this country. And, you know, you can't just say that. You can't dismiss our, our tradition. To the extent you're allowed to appropriate the suffering of all those people from over the course of 400 years, his decision to diminish it to the extent that's what he's doing, I think these are equivalently dim things to do. And the fact that there's only outrage about one of these things and not the other is similarly annoying to me. One of those, have, one yeah. of those things is routinely done and is universally ignored and in various cases endorsed. Um, and the other of those things, the thing that Kanye did is was kind of sort of a joke. He said it with a smile. It, he was trying to make some sort of abstract point incredibly sloppily. Um, the, 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 there's some, this is like this entire stupid debate about Kanye is larded with hypocrisy on every side. But my favorite one I've just noticed is the, of course, the embrace of Kanye from so many people who probably hated him, you know, two weeks ago. Definitely and did. Most, most, the, the, the one that irritates me the most is the shut up and sing crowd. Oh right? my God. I mean, the Laura Ingrams of the world who are like, you know what? Shut up and sing. Shut up and play football. Get off your knee, Colin Kaepernick. Stop talking Dixie chicks. Oh God, Kanye's amazing, isn't he? Let's talk about <laughs> Kanye for two hours tonight. You know, this guy, Kane West, like, babe, do you know who he is? Because you just called him Kane. But it's amazing that the embrace of Kanye in his complete incoherence, I mean, like Thomas Sowell quote followed by incoherence, which the Thomas Sowell quote might have been incoherent. I didn't even see it. But 
it, it was probably wasn't. But the thing is, is that was he doing this to sell records? Well, the reason I don't think he is because someone screenshotted something and blew up his computer and saw that he was watching Jordan Peterson videos. <laughs> it's like this is a guy who's actually nibbling on the red pill. I think there is an important undertaking here. Kanye's whole thing seems to be encouraging people to be able to have a space to think for themselves, to flirt with weird ideas, and even to embrace ideas that are unpopular without feeling like we have to be enemies and we have to hate each other. It's the reason why I think he takes these positions and then responds with, no, not like, fuck you for disliking my perspective or fuck you for saying that I'm evil. I'm not evil. You're evil. He says, I love you. And I'm sorry, I hurt you. Let's hug. There's something, there's something kind of great like about it. wonderful about yeah, that, there is. right? There, you know, and, and I think Kanye isn't the person that I want or that I would draft to have conversations about complicated things in public because of, you know, he's just, he doesn't seem to have the sophistication necessary to navigate things that are nuanced. Yeah. And he's just going to throw things out there and see what happens. And if it explodes all over him, he's seems to be fine with that right now. Um, but in a moment where everything that you say can be interpreted in a, in a way that's dangerous and awful. And when yeah. so many people are inclined to focus on the worst possible interpretation of what you've said or to reduce you to the worst elements of the person with whom you have some relationship and say, oh, all of you are together. You're all white supremacists and you're all members of the alt-right, whatever label they want to attach to you. To have a guy like Kanye West, not even cracking open the Overton window, but just like running through that shit, it's probably a good thing. If there's going to be a, a, a figure in America who is going to lead the kind of metaphorical truth and reconciliation committee after, <laughs> after uh, Trump. After 400 years of slavery? <clears throat> no, but after Trump, actually, yeah. because that, that, that was Kanye kind of like, is our Archbishop Desmond Tutu. <laughs> that, that's yeah. been a big fissure and it's not over. I mean, actually we referenced Jordan Peterson and Bill Maher. I, oh, was, he was on Bill Maher a couple weeks ago. And one point that he made that I thought is worth kind of uh, uh, pondering is like, hey, look, 60 million or whatever people voted for Trump. If, are you going to really put them all in this category yeah. of we can never talk to them again? Deplor we have to make them deplorable. all ta taboo. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and he put this kind of in an empathetic way. I mean, that's where his fan base is. Uh, he might find that surprising, but that's, that's kind of how it's happened for him. Um, but I like he pretends to be surprised. By yeah, that, that could yeah. be too. Uh, but like, who's but, that Jordan Peterson? But no. he was, yeah, but he's, huh? but he was uh, uh, right to ask the question. Like, like, what do you want to do? That's a problem. That's a problem if we're in a, in a position of... What do you want to do? That's a problem. You got to do it in the Canadian accent. He's the most vicious Canadian accent ever. It's, it's, I can't, I can't <laughs> quite... I'll have to get a little bit... We have to go to the second bottle in order to, to yeah. get that there. But, like, if that's going to happen, if there's going to be... And I don't think that it is, to, mm -hmm. be, yeah. to be honest. I don't think that there is going to be healing. I think that there's, no. like, a 40-year fissure in American uh, culture right now, and it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, but if it was going to be done in any way shape or form who would it be would it be kanye who would it be actually who that, would be that a, leads us to that not none leads us place. but like uh but 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 sort of helps out it's not yeah, something that at you least champions it yeah um, look i, I think that, i think the final point on this is is because i know we want to move on to other things but i don't care what kanye thinks i don't care because i mean essentially what you have is you have somebody who's who's very very famous uh -huh. um very very talented and is, mm -hmm. and is famous for own, disrupting culture in his own lane yeah and he's doing that in in a, in a very different way now. Um, but what fascinates me 
about it in this kind of bigger way is that how we react to somebody whom we love doing X talking about Y. Yeah. And how, like everyone's kind of, it's, it's the apoplexy, it's the sweatiness that people are like, well, I don't know, what do I do? And, and, you know, look, we can't really engage with Kanye's ideas because he doesn't have ideas. He's essentially a college student. And he's a 17-year-old who's like, oh, I got a Thomas Sowell book. This is pretty interesting. My brain is changing. Let me tell, I have a bigger audience than this kid who's in Grinnell College or something who's in his first semester in like, you know, onion headlines about, you know, you know, a college kid has all these great ideas. There's all these great, you know, jokes about this over, the, over time. So essentially we're, we're seeing Kanye having these epiphanies because mm-hmm. he's a, he's his eight, ideas he's, that are new to him. You know, he's, yeah, they're yeah. new to him. He's a 17 year old. He's a 40 year old when it comes to hip hop. He's a 17 year old when it comes to political ideas. So do we engage with him? No, we don't really engage with him. Let him have his ideas. Find it interesting that he's, his kind of ideas are, are really immature and they're kind of stupid sometimes. We, and we have these people that know, let's talk to a slavery scholar about the guy who just made this comment it's on such TMZ. A, such a stupid, on the TMZ such set. A stupid Why reaction. are we engaging you know, I don't, I, Michael Jordan shouldn't be playing with a, a seven-year-old who has a little uh, Fisher-Price hoop. Yeah. And that's essentially where we're, 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 yeah, we're dunking on him right now. But uh, more interestingly is that I find, I find people, I see how close-minded my friends are. I see how close-minded people that I, uh, I live around are when. <laughs> I'm taking this personally. But go well, on. look, it's, it's essentially, it's 1965. In Arkansas, Alabama, when John Lennon goes in front of a microphone and says, you know, the, 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 the kids are more interested in the Beatles than they're of Jesus, right? They're bigger, we're bigger than Jesus. And of course, that becomes this thing. And he comes out and has this apology. He's like, I don't say we're greater than Jesus. I'm just saying that, you know, the kids are more interested. And yeah. they have these Beatle records being crushed by, by bulldozers and they're burning the rest of it. And it's because people in 1964, 1965, 1966, Arkansas, Alabama, could not reconcile the fact that they loved you know, Norwegian would with the fact that John Lennon said something they kind of disagreed with or they, they were offended by. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because I have had heterodox politics most of my life. They're not right. They're not <laughs> left. They're something. But I would, you know, a great example of this. If he was more popular, we would be talking about Morrissey. Yeah. Morrissey came out in support of Brexit. Uh, in support of closing England's borders, in in support of this completely bananas far right party called Britain First, right? And he's, he, I mean, the cra- crazy kind of people. And Morrissey's come out and did this self interview. It was on his website. The, uh, Not like David ago. Burns self interview. In no, he, he pretend he pretended. <laughs> you know, he pretend, <laughs> Go look he on pretended, YouTube. It's great. Yeah, I know. He pretended that there was some person interviewing him. And it's it's him talking about his crazy ideas. And if you talk to if you see all these Morrissey fan forums, like I can't listen to it anymore. I got to throw all these records. These meant so much to me. And now I can't listen yeah. to it anymore. That stuff hits my ear and I just don't understand it. Yeah. Because when you grow up in Massachusetts, as I did, if you grew up in Southern California, you grew up in D.C., these are sort of, you know, coastal elite places mm-hmm. and you don't have the politics of everybody around you. And then you start consuming culture. Yeah. You grow a very, very thick skin when you're young to the fact that everybody who makes the films that you like, who does the art that you like, who does the music that you like yeah. are going to say something. You're going to be like, Oh, that's dumb. Yeah. Welcome to my world. Yeah, asshole. it's exactly. Like and so all of these people, constantly. It's not, it, it, the point is not Kanye being red pilled. Yeah. It's the uh, Kanye's fans being Kanye pilled in the sense that like they are, <laughs> 
all this culture that they're consuming. They love, they love, they love. You have to have the same political views. You have the same cultural views and the same cultural values as me. When I consume your music, the second I understand that you don't have those, all of a sudden I'm left staring at my speakers going, what do I do with this? I dealt with that when I was 15. And these people are dealing with this now when they're 35. And they're saying, what do I do? What do I do with my Kanye records? I can't because he kind of likes Trump, but he's too dumb to like Trump. So does he like Trump? I don't know. He's putting the hat on. Is he trying to sell records? It doesn't fucking matter. The <laughs> records are the records. Are they good? Are they not? The films are the films. I could like Woody Allen's films, whether or not I think he's a weirdo lech. Manhattan is still a good, good, good film. Word. It it's does not good. matter. Word. It does not matter. You can like the art and hate the artist. Why is that so hard for people? I don't I th- know. I think that's what I think is the has- best. Hashtag mute R. Kelly. I will. I will. Well, uh, exactly. I, was like, <laughs> I don't want you pissing on 14 year olds. Yeah, that record's not bad. But you- stop pissing on the girls. You reference mamas and papas, though. That's that's. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> Oh that's, yeah, that's more exactly. hashtag problematic. Bijou Phillips and uh, you know, and the the ham actually, sandwich. John Lennon is is a is a fascinating window into this problem. When I became a Beatles freak and as a as a young teenager, um, and I started getting reading all the books and consuming it and stuff, and I didn't really consider myself a political person. <laughs> I'm drunk. It becomes obvious <laughs> to any thinking person uh, that. Uh, when like dealing with John Lennon and the world of politics that he changed his mind a hundred and thousand eighty degrees every 18 months. Sure. Like whatever he thought in 1968 is going to be the opposite of what he thinks in 1970. And he just kept doing that his whole life until he got shot. Um, That's normal. And for everyone and for him to be like Mark Mark David Chapman was really tired of him changing his mind. It's like, yeah, (laughs) pick a roll, bake the bread or like, I'm going to show you in this, this is to your point that you're making. And I want you to read this, Matt. I want you to reference this. I will. An onion headline from uh, 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 2016. That's the headline there. Man always gets little rush out of telling people John Lennon beat wife. <laughs> well, I'd rather see a dead little girl. Yeah, um, uh, another whoa. man. Is that yeah, a, that's, that's that's a Beatles song. Not even a John Lennon song. Really? I'd rather better see run, dead, run for your life. Well, if you, you can, can, little girl. girl. Hide, hide your head, head in the sand, sand little girl. girl. Catch you with another man. That's the end. Da, that's like girl. some Eminem shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's Lennon. That's yeah. 1965. 65. McCartney yeah. also fixing a hole. Uh, yeah, I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and yeah. kept her apart. They didn't yeah. that, the punch yeah. slap. The, pu- the punch sound would the have punches. been a little too Benny Hill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some sound effects. But, like, to have I John Lennon. Love it. Can you put the punch sounds in? I have, to, I have to put Matt singing at the front of the podcast. <laughs> to have <laughs> Lennon be, like, this caricature of a peacenik, which is a role that he mm. played a yeah. total of maybe 27 months in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were sporadic. He'd yeah. be a peacenik and then he'd want to like punch the Mexicans or whatever. It just He was a crazy person. Yeah. And that's part of how he was able to tap into all kinds of different like artistic genius and different I, uh, I roles think, and I things think, like yeah, that. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and it drives me you nuts don't get that the he's genius. seen as the song Imagine. Yeah. That is not the sum it, of his it, life exactly. at all. And, and look, you should not, I am guilty of this. I have done this myself. You should not be hunting for your politics in somebody else's music or that time when Damn they right. were yeah. that person who matches with your politics. I remember one time when uh, The Clash, at the end of their career, Joe, Joe Strummer died, I think in 2004, 2005, something like that, um, in the 2000s. And there was a documentary about The Clash that was that was pretty good, and there was some extra footage in it that it was on the DVD, and I watched it. And Joe Strummer was talking about how people consume The Clash's politics and how they kind of felt stupid about some of their politics after the fact. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, look, Joe Stummer, whose band had a four album 
Disaster, which by the way is two fucking great albums. It's four terrible albums when it's, you know, just 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 get an editor, you know, uh, called Sandinista. And it was a celebration of the the Sandinista government in Nicaragua, which ruined that country slightly more than the 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 fascist samosas did before them. And and sent them like now there's riots in Nicaragua this week with against Daniel Daniel Ortega. It's still going on. Still Ortega. Joe, still Ortega. And and well, he came back, but but Joe Strummer was talking about, you know, he never fessed up and said, oh, we were dummies. But he there was all these little things that were kind of seeded in this interview in which he was saying, yeah, you know, we were naive. And I say, ah, yeah, I, I can like them more now because I love that record, but I hate the title of it and I hate the politics of it. Hmm. There's a song that called Washington Bullets, which is like a Noam Chomsky song. It's a fantastic song, but it has basically, you know, uh, John Pilger lyrics. Uh, and they didn't, by <laughs> the way, didn't, didn't even know, by the way, that there was a basketball team called the Washington Bullets. <laughs> it was about why, it was about Washington and CIA so shooting people. It, it wasn't it, about Wes Unseld. No, they had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic song called the Washington Bullets. Um, which reminds but, me that we're, we're recording this while the Cavs play the Raptors. And I, I don't know you the can score. Get you, you can, the, the internet's working in here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I had that moment where I was like, oh, geez, Joe Strummer, he actually doesn't actually believe those things. And I can like him more. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? That's wrong. I don't, who That's cares? Actually it's wrong. wrong. Can I, it's wrong. Can I, can I push this entirely too far? Because yeah. tomorrow, Matt, you're going to be talking on Bill Maher and don't judge me. whatever, whatever. But the, the kid, Van, who was yelling at Kanye West, he there was a point at which he stood up in the room and he just starts to say, you know, Kanye clarifies the TMZ guy. Yeah. The TMZ guy. Yeah. He says, um, Kanye, you're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to believe whatever you want, but there is fact and real world, real life consequence behind everything that you just said. And while you are making music and being an artist and living a life that you've earned by being a genius, the rest of us in society have to deal with these threats to our lives. We have to deal with the marginalization that has come from the 400 years of slavery that you said for our people was a choice. Every day we have to walk into that truth while you choose to say things that, to be honest with you, dog, are nonsensical. You want to think freely? That's fine. I'll combat your free thought with my free thought because mine is grounded in a reality that I have been given and a reality that I'm going to change, but I'm not going to do it by pretending that the enemies are on the same team as me. And I, I thought to myself, what, what policies are those? What policies are those? I don't like the Trump administration. I think a lot of the things that they do are awful. Um, the 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 willingness to indulge in hysterical hyperbole mm -hmm. when talking about this guy, and it's this is the case with with politics in general. It is at a particular fever pitch right now. Yeah. Um, is is insane to me, and it's it's bizarre that I've seen so many columns just celebrating him and his fearless response to Kanye West. Of course, you know, you'll be applauded for yep. shouting back at Kanye and saying that, no, slavery was terrible. And I'm dealing with the repercussions of 400 years of slavery right now. Also, Donald Trump is trying to kill me and you don't have to live with that because you're rich. No, Donald Trump isn't trying to kill you. He's just not. And the notion that he's creating all of these policies that might actually get you killed Generally speaking, this is not true. I saw it um, also says something fantastic about this country that Kanye actually is rich. Uh, it's, <laughs> that's a good thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy he is. But I, the one thing about that and before message, very quick thing. 
is that we do live in an era of phrase politics, mm. right? Is that there are certain phrases that people say, I mean, we've always lived that way, but there's certain phrases now that people say that sound smarter than phrases in the past. Mm. So it makes dumb people feel smart. So I have dealt with incredibly stupid people that talk about white privilege and privilege, right? Mm -hmm. talk about the, they talk about cultural appropriation. That girl shouldn't have been wearing that prom dress, which was a thing this week, yeah. because of cultural, what does that mean? Tell me what it means. They, they can't tell you. Right. It's weird because we're t in phrase politics, 400 years of slavery. Yes, horrifying. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, the Trump yeah. administration, these policies are killing us. That's phrase politics. Right. That's what we do. And we've always done it. But now we see it a lot more. And I don't want to blame one side only because I remember when oh, I had a reason sides, that, yeah. you know, covering the Tea Party protests. And I remember this one interaction where I had a pr with a person when they were talking about, you know, Obama being a socialist. And I asked them what that meant. They had no idea. There's that <laughs> the version of it from the right. The right was talking about socialism. And, you know, there was a, there was one interaction I had. I'd love to find this footage. This guy had a sign that said McCarthy was right. And I said to the guy, was, was Eisenhower a communist? Was he an, an, an unwitting or active agent of the communist conspiracy? And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, but you have a sign that says McCarthy's right. And McCarthy made that claim and he, he had no idea. And and it's it's like it was we, like no dude it was Eugene no, yeah yeah it's like, <laughs> totally the Eugene it's like no Joe you doesn't make a difference Kevin they're all McCarthy's but but we we do live I think now in an era where um when the when the Tea Party was doing this dumb sort of phrase politics. Uh, they're being called out for it. Sure. You know, uh, fuck, is this, is this socialism? This is what socialism is. And the people that were calling them out were right. Obama was not a socialist. That's just not true. It's, it's demonstrably not true from his two terms in office. Uh, was he a great president? That's a different story. But he wasn't a socialist. He was not a socialist. The, it, people can get mad about that, but that was an instinct that people had that was a phrase and it wasn't actually tethered to reality. And now we're in the era of phrase politics that people just accept and they just, I mean, we talk about whether it's, I mean, there's so many of them, you know, institutionalized misogyny, rape culture, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, white privilege, cultural appropriation, all this stuff that I hear 15 times a day. And people write articles based on that the premise is presumed. You don't have to explain the premise. You say, this is cultural appropriation. Here's the girl with the Chinese dress on. And the South China Morning Post actually did a good story about this where they, they asked people in China. They were like, oh, this, this is great. We love it. This is we feel bad. This girl's getting beaten up. We like the fact she's wearing right. this dress. So there's some sort of fucking white guy in Bushwick, you know, typing with one hand, eating a fucking quinoa bowl with the other <laughs> and saying like, oh, the Chinese are really offended. Have you never met a Chinese person in your I life? I went uh, and uh, 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 like a month ago, six weeks ago in some uh, it was uh, on MSNBC. I was mentioning how certain um, Republican legislators who have. Uh, announced their uh, uh, non-re-election campaign. Sorry, I'm not speaking English. That's <laughs> okay. Weird. Uh, basically, Trey Gowdy, who Moynihan did a great interview with that you can look on YouTube for uh, Vice News, mm -hmm. uh, have gone off the reservation when it comes to Trump. As soon as you announce that you're going to resign like uh, Bob Corker or run for not run for re-election like Bob Corker, Jeff Flake, Trey Gowdy, who's actually a surprise in this in this because uh, he was such a an attack dog <clears throat> on Benghazi. Yeah, and some I, other by the way, I don't think I've Ben, I don't think I've done the show since that 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 interview. Yeah, but anyway, been but yeah, gone a long time. No, long we, shouted time. You, we shouted you out on the podcast. We, we talked a little bit about. So it. I, I don't think I was on. Yeah, you were here. Uh, I, I mentioned I mentioned that yeah. uh, that some of these Republicans have gone off the reservation, like Trey Gowdy, and I think yeah. I, I don't think I totally referenced your uh, 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 vice interview, but I alluded to it on MSNBC, and I get this really angry tweet saying, "Off the reservation is super racist." It's really, uh, you know, 
my I, my husband's family is Native American, uh-huh. and you know that's that's really. There's always people being offended on behalf of other people. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> is this is what ha- it happened. So I I yeah. uh, I put out, uh, and I, I was genuinely surprised. I've never thought of the phrase. I, I I'm really bad. In case you haven't noticed, at metaphors and like the the history of of words and where they come from, I just kind of use them as as they're used in the vernacular and don't pay a lot of of. Orwellian thought uh, in the politics of language sense of uh, where phrases uh, come from, cliches come from. And so I'm like, all right. So on Twitter, tell me people who are Native American. Right. Um, uh, is this does this phrase offend you in some way or like, you know, what do you what do you have to say about this uh, critique? And I got not one word from a single person who is Native American. Yeah. Uh, the only one who did is uh, thank Nancy Rahman, former, former guest of the show, asked the father of her daughter, uh, sort of ex, not quite husband, um, who's uh, uh, American. This might just prove that no Native Americans follow you on Twitter. <laughs> could be. Could. Yeah, could be. But uh, I want to believe there's a lot of science behind this. So like, go, go ahead, Matt. And I don't want to mischaracterize yeah. his response, but it's like more or less like I'd never really thought of it. I, I guess I could yeah. see where people would be mad about it. But like something this like, it was sort of lukewarm, but the people who were the most uh, upset about it and I just got a new fresh round of this as if someone refound it today on Twitter. So a couple of people were busting my chops and they were Bushwick people. They're yeah, like, like yeah. I can't believe yeah. you're so insensitive. So one one in defensive oh, in defensive Matt Welch, now that I've come to Kanye's defense, um, the uh, Washington Redskins, there's like re- this recurring story in Washington, D.C., where in recent years there's a poll that's taken of Native Americans and whether or not they're actually offended by the name Washington Redskins. And it's always like really incredible. The results are like nine out of 10 Native Americans don't give a shit that the Redskins are called the Redskins. Like actually I'm this, the title of this article literally from May 19th, 2016 new poll finds nine in 10 Native Americans aren't offended by Redskin name. I didn't make that up. That's in the Washington Post. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it, this is routinely the you case. You know why? But I, they have slightly bigger concerns, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, they got, slightly bigger concerns. They got a bad deal. Yeah. They yeah. kind of a raw deal. And like, they're, they're, they're except for the concerns. ones that we allowed to have casinos yeah. under I, I, duress. I, I want the, the thing, and I've probably made this point in the show and it's the one, the one thing I just bang on about it constantly because I don't know the answer to it because no one's given me a sufficient answer to it um, or a reasonable answer to it is that when you're offended by something, Mm. if you're not a member of that group, even if you are a member of whatever group is, what on earth does it mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be offended? No one, we just, we throw this word around. I'm offended by this because I'm offended nine, nine, 90% of the day. Yeah. I get on the subway, 90 people offend me in the, in whatever car I'm in. I move to a different car. Is people the, say things is, that is are it the Chinese? Uh, no, it's Albanians. It's a weird thing. I, don't, I have a weird Albanian thing. I'm talking about it later. Kosovar Albanians particularly. Yeah. But, but you know, it's like, this is fucking worse. Like, I don't understand what it means to be offended. Does it mean you have to go home and you can't work for the rest of the day? You cry, you sleep. You close the blinds. I cannot interact with people. I've been so offended by this phrase that somebody said. What on earth does it mean? Now, the one thing that's changed recently is we see this this sort of recategorization of speech as violence, right? mm-hmm. because that's the way that you can actually limit speech. Because you know we don't allow people to commit violence against other people. But if speech is violence, then we can actually limit people's speech. Otherwise, to say I'm offended, it's this kind of airy, flabby concept. What is it? What does it mean? 
I don't. I don't want to upset people. I, I don't. I legitimately don't want to do that. And your if friends, I, you you'd like to upset your friends. Well, particularly. I mean, I do. I, mean, I do it all the time. I mean, when when I was talking about this to somebody the other day, the more people tell me I can't say something, the more I want to say it. It's just a very simple concept. Everyone knows this. But it's in the way, I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna make that joke. I gotta make that joke. It's gonna be the end of my life. But I'm like, I, there's gonna be someone with a cold gun metal. I feel it in the nape of my neck, and I hear the it being cocked, and I'm like, it was just. I was just trying to be funny, and that's then I'll just black out. Because they'll destroy me for that. But Do you if, ever go, uh, this happened recently to me, uh, uh, following some old uh, links uh, uh, on subjects that I'd written um, and find something you wrote 10 years ago. Oh, God, for everything I wrote 10 years ago was stupid. Uh, sure, it's all stupid and badly written. Sometimes it's a lot better. Like there's a fresher yeah. voice because you're younger and you don't give a shit. Uh, but like I use words that I don't use anymore. Like I really? would say retarded. Like really? a lot. In post? Yeah. You would say that in a I post? I said retarded in a post on Reason probably as recently <laughs> as 2009. Like unblushingly. Like wow. there wasn't a thing. What are you, from Massachusetts? You, you know you know who That's actually amazing. who actually like told me like, dude, dude, uh, like you might want to think about this? Scott Ross. Oh, yeah. Talking about a, ma- it's amazing. a masshole. It's He's amazing like, because listeners won't know because they won't know who Scott Ross is. Um, which is, and they which shouldn't. Is, they I shouldn't, mean, it's no. Disruptive. Is that it's amazing that he said that because he's a complete piece of shit. <laughs> no, I, I think what he was saying Scott, is Scott, like, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't. We hate you. I, I think it's that like. Scott's been told that, and that's how he knows. <laughs> well, like, he knows that you do it in the cone of silence. Yeah. Within that, yeah. like, that, that's totally how you do it. But, like, yeah, he wrote that in a post. Because Scott like, lives in can, London now, and I'm sure he's like, and he's from Massachusetts. He's dropping C bombs. I'm sure he's like, hey, what are you doing? That you're a too fucking retard, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> no, I'm here in London. We're fucking screwing things up. We're gonna watch the Bruins. Fucking punch a guy in the face. <laughs> Scott Ross, whose uh, grandfather was Art Ross, the the uh, namesake of the Art Ross Trophy in, in the NHL. Is that true? Absolutely true. Wow, huh. totally crazy. I had no idea. Finally, there was a trophy involved in Scott with the Ross's, uh, uh, lineage. That, uh, <laughs> no, it just it's worth like paying attention. It's like it's like John McCain, but you know the third generation mm. just uh, it yeah. just fizzles out. There you go. Well, let's uh, maybe we maybe we transition. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good fifty six minutes yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we're gonna do that right. It's yeah, fine. We're gonna fuck out of here now. Edit no, the no. shit out of it. Um, <laughs> what are those weird like bite marks on your arm, Monahan? What? What? Oh, some like needle marks. Those are called track marks. Yeah, tracks. It was. I was. It was a couple of ladies. Heroin, heroin. It's a long story. Trump tussling with a few ladies. I thought it was so passe. Trump, Mueller, Stormy Daniels. They were beating me up. Yeah. Come on. There's been (laughs) recent subpoena threats. There were leaked interview questions. The interview questions that the Mueller team might ask the Trump team. According to um, Or ask Mr. Trump. Um, Well, these were, no, the, the leaked interview questions was earlier in the week. The, yeah. the grand news from Mr. Giuliani only landed yesterday in, in this interview with Hannity, a very in-depth, long, <laughs> explosive interview. It was very contentious. Um, he uh, outlined his various thoughts that Mr. Comey is a liar. He knows Mr. Comey is definitely a liar. Um, the FBI is hanging their head in shame. Hillary Clinton is a criminal. Mm-hmm. Again, bold proclamation. And... Trump paid Cohen back in installments for some reason for <laughs> Stormy he's Daniels. A he's a Retainer like, installments. Yeah. I know. It's incredible. It's, it's, like it's like a, really strange. It's like he got a like a, a washer and dryer at Sears. Yeah. He's like paying it off at like 40 bucks a month. So all of all of this stuff is is exceedingly strange. And, and earlier today, actually, Donald Trump also tweeted um, today uh, about the the commonness of 
non-disclosure agreements amongst persons of wealth. Yeah. Um, you know, who, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got so many NDAs against people who've made uh, scandalous accusations and allegations against me um, or who at least are threatening to do so. And I just pay them $150,000 so they'll go away. Um, I don't know whether or not Stormy Daniels is telling the truth. That's not really the point here. The point is yeah, that she's talking the truth. Not about the, uh, the guy who menaced her in the parking lot, though. I don't believe that. No, you don't believe it? No, I don't. Yeah, be, I don't know. It was probably no some guy like trying to like clear the carts away. Yeah, at yeah. Uh, Vons. But but the <laughs> but the thing but the thing That's about California. Thing, right? But the thing about they all of in Las they Vegas. do they <laughs> in Las Vegas. But the thing about all of this seems to be that one, the Trump administration is unraveling, is what I saw in one New York Times column or post, anyways. Um, and two that. Maybe Giuliani was off the reservation. Perhaps this was Don't some grand strategy. I just said it because that. you did. I know. Pass it's over. called a callback. Yeah. Um, or perhaps the Trump team has some grand strategy and they knew that the best place to unfurl it this banner was on the Hannity show. It ain't even grand. I'll lay it down for you real quick. Yeah. Is that Michael Cohen got raided. Uh, his office, his hotel room, his everything got raided. So, so this was going to come out. Yes, this is absolutely going to come out. And yeah. it's not the $130,000 payment just that we're talking about right. here. In all of the interviews, I mean, uh, Giuliani goes on on Hannity, uh, who's who's just great in response as these revelations are tumbling down. He's like, oh, <laughs> uh, really? You used the word funnel? Okay. Uh, uh, that's great. Um, but uh, it, he also then went and did interviews with the Washington Post with uh, perhaps even the Daily Beast. Who knows? He was just doing he interviews. He talked to everyone today. Talked to everyone. I mean, he was... He, Giuliani? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. had the he had the 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 secret. You could see if you watch the tape, like it's just he's looking for a way to say, "Oh, hey, did you know that I got laid?" kind of thing. Like he he wanted to spell this out. Why? Mm-hmm. Because Mueller knows this. He has known this since April 9th. April yeah. 9th is when Michael Cohen's stuff got raided. Mm-hmm. And so you're sitting there if you're a new lawyer for Donald Trump and he hasn't had a defense So what lawyer. you're saying is that this is not a coincidence that he it was a slip of the tongue that he said. God, this. no. No, there's yeah. no reason to no. believe that. And, and his, yeah. and his yeah. interviews, the uh, Washington Post with Robert Costa, they did a, like a full Q&A and he's like, hey, we're just trying to like fire a shot across the bow and, and try to tell Mueller not to um, go further with his investigations yeah. here. They had a bad... Explicitly called for, uh, for Sessions to get involved here and do something about this Cohen investigation. Yes, also. Yeah. Um, and Let's sideline that Side for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, it's it's a way. What do we? How do we deal with this bad information? Because let's be rememberful. <laughs> wow. What would that word be? You're like Kanye. Sometimes. No, we're going to leave it right yeah. there. Rememberful. Let's, let's, let's tap into our dragon. We're going to be rememberful <laughs> of all of our percolations <laughs> and expropriations. Just straight up being fan service because you've been away for so long. Like you're trying to get back in the good graces. Um, uh, no, no that, like, Trump, Trump has been lying about this. Sarah Huckabee Sanders has been lying about this. Unless you believe... And here's the thin read of possibility Mm -hmm. that Trump was paying off Michael Cohen $35,000 a month proactively until very recently Mm -hmm. to the total of not 130,000, but 460 to 470,000, which is what Giuliani has said on a number of different cases, which he also volunteered, Uh right? That he was doing all of this without his knowledge. Uh, Donald Trump, who is absolutely famous in New York for 
I almost stingy. I almost said a thing that I shouldn't say, and oh I'm really God. glad that I, I stopped. She's gone. But no. for uh, for not paying his contractors, mm. um, and like people can't believe. <laughs> yeah, I think of what you're gonna say. No, it's worse than you can ever imagine. Oh my gosh, Jipper? worse. Oh my God! What oh yeah, wrong? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Are you that bad? I don't know what I he's gonna say. Oh my God! Kind of. I'm. So I don't know what's going on. You. Yeah. I don't. I don't. It's. Uh, yeah. It's brain. It's the. It's Donald maps Trump of meaning. Donald okay. Trump didn't wanna, care. Donald care. Trump didn't care and was paying people off to keep them from saying bad right. things. Right. He about cares him. so much yeah. about paying uh, debts that uh -huh. he gets personally involved. That's what he does. He yeah. doesn't pay fully for people who do contract work for him. Mm -hmm. He's infamous for this. Right. Um. But suddenly he doesn't notice that he's just sort of like throwing off $35,000 a month here. This is the most charitable interpretation. Judge Napolitano, uh -huh. among other people, said this is today. <laughs> and he's been like trying to figure out a way to talk to Trump. Like, and, and we're still on the same team kind of thing. Uh -huh. He's like, this just doesn't pass anybody's smell test. Yeah. Of course he knew about this. And I think most people kind of recognize that, yeah. of course, he knew about this. But so that raid happens April 9th. Giuliani yesterday, because he's really bad at this, uh -huh. said, yeah, uh, we just found out because we were, uh, you know, we were looking through the books. The lawyers were. And uh, uh, Trump only uh, figured out this uh, like two weeks ago or, or maybe it was 10 days ago or, or five days ago. <laughs> yeah. Like one of those this things. Yeah. Pass the smell test. This uh, is I mean, this they are really scraping the bottle of the uh, bottom of the barrel here. Judge Napolitano. <laughs> but it was mixed with someone. And I'm not yeah. sure who they're, yeah. they're really Larry scraping the bottom Melman. of the barrel yeah. when it comes to finding spokespeople for the uh, for the administration to help create, establish, confirm they did their get, narrative. They did get an actually good lawyer. It's the first one they've had for a long time. Uh -huh. Ty Cobb, the Detroit Tigers uh, baseball player, a yeah. left. <laughs> the um, racist baseball player was replaced by a high uh, comrade Flood. Emmett Flood. <laughs> um, uh, who was a, a Clinton impeachment lawyer. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to be fighting the uh, uh, Mueller. Mueller will eventually subpoena Trump to you say think that. So? Yes. You think he will? I think he will. Uh, I mean, there's say, some question as to whether or not he can even actually do that. Can Can you compel the president he to He can testify? issue it. But like, yeah. the compulsion will have to be adjudicated at the Supreme Court, and I think that it will be. Can we can we establish something quickly here? I mean, the 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 real issue for the Trump team when it comes to the Mueller interview, so far as so far as I can tell, isn't so much that we know for sure he'll get in trouble for you know campaign finance violations related to the the payments to Stormy Daniels, because it's not clear that that this is actually a problem. Um, for him, from a legal standpoint, I've seen determinations sort of in both it's directions that it's just not clear. Yes, it's not clear. But the real problem for him is uh, this truthful hyperbole, uh, as he's described it in his books. The Trump's the tendency, is that he lies all Trump's, the time. Yeah, Trump's, he lies all the all fucking precisely. time. Trump's tendency time. to be totally dishonest yeah, lies, in lies, all lies. sorts of contexts. Yeah. And, and, and any of those contexts would get you. Have to. Yeah, that's, that's what he does. That, he's Except worse. It's, yeah. it's much worse but in a conversation with Mr. Mueller, like the fact that you are engaging in truthful hyperbole. No, no. Like will lying. actually will actually be a, a crime. There was a great piece today in The Washington Post um, that talked about sort of the, how the White House staff was blindsided by Giuliani because they didn't really know it was coming. Mm -hmm. They had a quote from San Nunberg. There, who was the this clown pants yeah. uh, Trump advisor who like was famous for thirty one yeah. hours when he was just I drunkly he, he, going on yeah, every he cable shares, show. Like, a studio apartment with Carter Page. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but he had so something to say that that like has some resonance, which is that you know the president doesn't fully understand that what works in 
legal situations in New York with just sort of bluffing and you deny, 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 and you play it out in the tabloids, that that's not necessarily the best thing to do when you're president of the United States in Washington and you're under investigation for the FBI. It's absolutely true. <laughs> and, and, the, and it shows you just how dumb he is um, in the sense that he hasn't adapted in any way and seen all these anvils about to fall on his head like a Roadrunner cartoon. And he keeps on doing the exact same thing, despite the fact that it's pretty clear to anyone after a month in office that the same thing that you do in New York real estate and the way that you like, you know, call up the New York Post and pretend you're somebody else. What was the name that he used? Like, you know, John uh, Barron. John. <laughs> <laughs> Which he yeah. named oh, his son. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're very good the friends. Same name as his, 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 I remember uh, John Barron saying yeah. they were very good friends. Yeah, yeah. great friends. And, and yeah. John Barron would refer to Trump as Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, what's exactly. what's Moynihan's John Barron? Yeah. My question. What's my name? What's my what, when I call the it's Pepe? Oh God, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I can't tell. You ruin the whole thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Heinrich McDougal. It's a weird German, <laughs> German Irish. It's a, it's a Nazi Irish. It's a Nazi yeah. Irish guy, yeah. Um, but no, he has not adjusted. It was the the, the, the great myths of all of this. A great businessman, terrible businessman. Great deal maker, very, very bad deal maker. Um, uh, he'll hire the best people for the job. He hires whoever available, like literally <laughs> anyone somebody, who's actually willing like, to literally do literally people are jumping off ships in the Atlantic <laughs> to not work for. It's them. like the people fall asleep in the Fox green room and they get like the ambassador <laughs> to Andorra. Like, who the fuck is that guy? It's like, oh, that's. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. That's, that's, not, actually, that's actually that's, a bit of a, a that's a, a real specific. reference. Um, but yeah, I, I, mean, I'm I just believe gonna, she's I'm just not gonna beat that out. Yeah, nope. she's not. No, you can beat that out. That's probably fine. <laughs> yeah, she actually is the ambassador to Ukraine now. Um, <laughs> she would be too. She would be too. Fucking amazing too. Really actually, sassy. would be much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah big yeah, too. Yeah, big sassy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so good. Oh, I just realized that so you're, good. you're talking about. Yeah, no, you beep that shit out. I Can't know. Talk about who it is. I know. You can um, beep it. That's yeah, why I'm going to do it. Every one of these things, all these dumb Trump cliches, have turned out not only not to be true, just <laughs> catastrophically wrong. And it's like, so I was talking to people. I'll give a slight hint of what I was doing in the past couple of weeks. I was talking to people about trade. I'm doing a story about trade. And, were, and, and there's a trade delegation that went to China today. Right. So there's a trade delegation led by Peter Navarro, who uh, once made a documentary that was like China. I can't remember what it was called. Camille, somebody can look it up. It was like it was like China, you know, the rapist of the universe. <laughs> it was like, you know, the Asia's Bill Cosby. I can't remember the name. Of it, but it was something about how horrible like China was going to destroy you. And, then, and, and everyone's China's pill. Yeah, yeah. China rapist of the universe China isn't returning any results. <laughs> the thing is fucking crazy about this. And people so talking funny. to me like he should get a Nobel Prize. He's negotiating with North Korea. See what he's doing. in and everyone I talked to who would be adversely affected by what he is doing with trade in Asia. We're like, no, I, we, we really think he's got some brilliant idea because we watched that TV show that he was in and he was a very good negotiator. So these tariffs, these tit for tat tariffs aren't going to happen. This is a way of bringing them to the table. And then he's going to shiv them when they come to the table. People still believe this. I don't know if that's true. I hope it is. I hope for for the sake of the American economy that there's actually a, a that, bold plan. That there's a bold the... plan here, but I have never seen a bold plan. <laughs> so this would be a unique bold plan. I mean, that's the boldest plan of all. That's the boldest plan of all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that this whole thing has been a plan? <laughs> the non-plans are actually a plan, and he's going to unfurl it in front of Xi Jinping, and he's like, "Oh God, Jeez, oh sorry, we're gonna we're gonna be very fair to you on trade now." 
It's it's it, it drives me crazy the fact that this still is embedded in people's brains that he is good at X, Y, and Z. He is good at nothing. The things that happen that are good are coincidental. They're absolutely coincidental. In like uh, the North Korean negotiations are a great, a great example of this. The South Koreans have been very, very adept recently. And I was very skeptical of the Moon government and what they were going to do. They've been fairly good about this. And there was a report today that three Americans that are held captive by the North Koreans might be released. We don't know if this is true. Two of whom were captured during the Trump presidency. Exactly. And to your point about somebody who cannot stop lying today, Blame the Obama administration for not doing anything about those two people who were captured during his administration. <laughs> and Sarah Huckabee Sanders actually had to walk that back. Mm. And it's just the guy is he has an insatiable appetite for telling people things that aren't true. Yeah. I feel like he enjoys it in a way. But are the are these will these policies actually well, self-serving? There lies, are people. So. Somebody I was talking to somebody about this today. I, I don't think it was you, but it was somebody down the line saying that, look, oh, no, it was, it was a, a different person who told me today that they were uh, talking to some, some State Department people about the Trump administration. And he was complaining to them and said, God, top level, these people, you know, whether it's Tillerson and Mike Pompeo now, they're disasters. The person, the State Department said this. Yeah, that's true. Down the line, we're actually doing some incredible stuff now because no one's paying attention. And we're actually doing things that are fairly, you know, See? They, they, they were talking about sanction, like sanctioning. These are career people. This is not Trump appointees. I know. They're talking you. about sanctioning individuals, including his, an, an Israeli guy and including these vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran. And they were talking about how specific these targeted sanctions have been and how effective they've been in the past month, in the past two months, et cetera. And I didn't know none of the details of this, but they were saying basically that because of how untethered this administration is and how they're living from scandal to scandal in D.C. and not filling positions and not paying attention to the State Department, that they're, that they're actually being left alone to do some things that are fairly interesting. It's pretty interesting. So, I mean... It's the weak leader uh, theory. Which the I'm weak leader theory, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, he'll take, of course, take credit for all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But Trump has no ideas particularly about trade, it's the one issue he's been consistent on. The one issue, he's, and he's been consistently wrong since the 1980s, that, that punishing China, there is one thing that we should say in this, because as, as, as sort of libertarians, libertarian-leaning people, um, free market types, we tend to ignore this. But China actually, when people say they haven't been playing fair, that is true. It's true. Totally sure. true. It's absolutely true. It's corporate and espionage. Corporate and, espionage yeah. is, you know, uh, essentially state-funded entities that get enormous subsidies. It's fine. We give subsidies to corn growers, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Which essentially um, could be a discount to uh, to American consumers. Yes. And, mm -hmm. and, and putting enormous restrictions on people who want to sell certain things in China. That, that We don't realize this. That if you're selling a head of cattle or something, it's incredibly onerous to do that in China. The WTO should adjudicate this stuff. We should be putting pressure on them. And we get positive results 97% of the time Most with the WTO. Of yeah. yeah. And so that is true. But this, I mean, I think that the biggest thing we should be worrying about, Mueller investigation, Iran deal, all these things, you know, ISIS that pop up, is the potentially catastrophic, catastrophic effects of Trump's trade policies. They are bananas. And let's, uh, I think... I'm always a, a person who uh, is looking for the next bubble to pop. And we've had something like eight years consecutive, more or less, of uh, of stock market growth. It's been a little bit turbulent since January mm -hmm. and a little bit down since January. Um, but real estate prices have gone up. There's a lot of stuff that's gone up kind of 
constantly since then. Employment has been a, a good picture since then. Incredibly good numbers today, <clears throat> just today. If those numbers go up for that long of a period of time, people kind of get used to it and uh, and they start making their bets based on it. California thinks that it's totally won and figured out the way to do everything right. California's government is financed to an astonishing degree on the richest like half of 1% paying state income taxes. And so whenever the thing busts, like suddenly they're in complete crisis, which happens mm-hmm. kind of like every 10 years in California or less. Um, I, I, because, because the rich fail to pay their income taxes in those years. Exactly. Mm. Um, uh, so I find a way not to do it. Some, you know, either it's going to be cyclical or it's going to be a result, you know, of, of trade policies. I heard just today that, China has decided they're not going to buy American soybeans, which kind of sucks because half of our soybeans are sold to China. That's in a thing. Iowa, I was in Iowa this week. One third. So every third row of soybeans planted in, China, in Iowa go to China. And so it's it's the only thing that we have a surplus on in this country of exports is agricultural products, particularly in soybeans. China and oil needs, to Venezuela. China Exactly. <laughs> China needs soybeans. Will they try to find another place to be? Argentina has a soybean culture, which Americans have taught them how to do. Brazil, other a few other places. It's a billion people. Can they actually make that up? This is the wrong question. I see this all the time. Well, you know, they, they have all these bounds to feed. Can they actually do it from all these other places, whether it might be, you know, sort of one or two European places, particularly South America? No, they probably can't. But to take 50% of that out of a farmer's income in America, drop those exports by 50% a year. You talk to farmers in this country and you talk to a farm in Iowa, they have a big farm and they run it with their family, right? This family farm kind of thing, but they're fairly big. You look at these stuff and you say, good God, they must make a ton of money. They have a million, $2 million on paper in assets, tractors, et cetera, the rest of it. You know what they make a year? 50 grand, 55 grand, 60 grand. Mm. If they have a good year, a hundred thousand dollars. And so they have to deal not with, a lot of margin, there. not a lot of margin. Yeah. You have to deal with all these unknowables, the vicissitudes of weather, mm-hmm. of markets, of prices, of, you know, the, the mercantile exchange in, in Chicago. Steve all, King, Steve King, particularly all of this stuff. Let's add another variable. A, a, a president who is threatening China, who consumes. I mean, Xi Jinping was in Iowa in 1985. They established a very, very close wow. relationship in 85. Wow. There is a museum to where Xi Jinping showed up in Iowa in 1985. Did he like bring some Tiananmen skulls and like, hey, let's plant oh, them was, here. Uh, then. That was anticipatory, 89. So he got four All years right. before they, they shot people in the head. But th- they have a special relationship mm-hmm. because this is very, very, very big for China. Pork processing and, and, and <laughs> soybeans. Yeah. yeah. Like, if we screw this up, do you have any idea how the ripple effects that's going to have? In yeah. the, it's going to be it, catastrophic. It, it could be unless Donald Trump was to propose an innovative, bold idea, farm subsidies, which he's already <laughs> which he's already done. He has yeah. preemptively preemptively suggested that we should introduce these farm subsidies as as though. This had not already been the case. I, look, I talked to the Iowa, which is the, which is the one subsidy which, that's by the way, pretty, pretty popular. One of two secretaries of agriculture in the country, which is an elected yeah. position. Yeah, they're usually they're an elect. They have an election soon for the Iowa sucks. secretary of. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> secretary of Ag has to be elected. In, hey, did you ever have like when you were in Iowa, like mm-hmm. uh, like some ham, ham? Yeah, just like some, just like some, some, oh. some pig like based. I was at a pig food. farm yesterday. 
Did you, did you eat, sample the product? They were alive. I'm it's fucking do so good. <laughs> Started fucking eating them? It's so good. Like so 20 delicious. years ago, like I had a, like a, a, the chef salad at a diner. So good. Oh my God. But you know what's great about it? The, you know why? You know why Iowa farmers love China? Because they buy parts of the pig that nobody else does. I'm sure. It's the noses, legs, you know. Ears, isn't that the stuff that they use for the hot dogs, though? Uh, Chinese hot dogs. Chinese. <laughs> I don't think American hot dogs too. Um, well, I'm look, sorry, I'm drunk. No, it's it's totally fine. Okay. Um, Am I making any sense? Yeah, no, no. I think send me cryptocurrency. There's, I'm not making sense. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of sense in there, so you're not going to get it, unfortunately for you. Um, so maybe we switch gears really quickly because I want to punch um, on this thing before we get out of here. Uh, yeah. White House correspondence dinner was earlier oh, this week. There was the have Michelle. You been to one more now? Yes, I have. Which one? Uh, oh God, what year was that? Um, 2000. I'm trying to remember who was the. It's probably fucking Rich Little or something. It was yeah. 2000. Rich Little was the one after Colbert. Like, uh, yeah, Colbert went too far. He eight or nine. It was eight or sun. nine I went. Yeah. Um, I had a pretty fun time. Um, I didn't go into the actual dinner. I just went to all the parties. Because uh, <laughs> uh, and then um, there was a. I went to a party at the French ambassador's residence. I remember that. So then you really haven't been. Yeah, if you I, haven't I, been can to I tell the you dinner, a story about that? It was a weird yeah. I walked in and I was talking to somebody, and that they, the Vanity Fair used to have these big parties at the French ambassador's residence, and it was like all the. It was when all the Hollywood people came to to DC. It doesn't happen anymore. Past couple of years, it hasn't happened. But in the Obama years, all the Hollywood people would come during the correspondence dinner. And I was having a conversation with somebody, and a guy came up next to me and intruded upon this conversation, true story, and started talking, because we were talking about Middle East, some dumb bullshit we were talking about. And he started talking about 9-11. Oh, no. Yeah. And, go <laughs> and going on about, you know, if you journalists were worth your salt— you would investigate this, uh, and 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 this went on for forty minutes. And, John John Cusack, uh, Richard Belzer. Oh, yeah, what? the bells, the bells. Nine Eleven Truth, uh, a long Nine Eleven Truth rant at a party after the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Wow. Yeah, Richard Belzer hmm. from uh, from uh, what, isn't he Anthony? Isn't he on that Law and Order? Law and Order, and now. he was on Homicide before that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and he, he actually wrote an entire book about how hardcore a conspiracy theorist he is. Oh, is that right? Huh. It was. Oh uh, shit, I didn't know. That. In like in like 2000, it was called like UFOs, JFK. He actually wrote a book defending all the conspiracy theorists. Oh, he really? In. Huh. Shit, if I had known that, I would have. I would have. Get him like, on the show. Yeah, Good for him. He's he's yeah, like no, Jesse Ventura. Let's he, not do that. Law and Order SU. He always has the best tinted sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like huh. There's no question of who's going to have the best tinted sunglasses in the room. He is a, he's definitely a nice I shade mean, I don't know there. if I'm in the room. There's pretty good chance I'll have pretty good uh, I'm not so sure. tinted sunglasses. Um, I, I went to a correspondence dinner once. You did? Which yeah. one? Um, I got to ride in the motorcade and everything because what? I... So I can tell the story and just name names. Um, I went back in the day. I was working Maybe. for Ellen Ratner who had this thing right. called uh, the talk radio news service, which I, I believe is still around. And there was just like all of these kids who were working as journalists and were getting press credentials. And pretty much everyone there was in college undergraduate. I'm, yeah. I'm an undergrad. Um, and this is like my totally my first gig in media of any sort. Um, and initially it was an internship. Eventually it became a job and I'm actually like building websites for her as well as showing up in the lower press office at the White House to like what year sit in. I don't even remember. I mean, this is the W administration, the first administration. So you're servicing um, this lady. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on Capitol Hill and I'm running around to, to various 
things, uh, hearings on, on in Congress and going to the White House. Um, and April Ryan, I guess, oh, was yeah. supposed to be going in the press pool. Um, this or was in the press pool on the day of the of the correspondence dinner, and it wasn't going. And you don't just leave that seat open. So I went in her place. And I got to ride we in the motorcade. A black person. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ride in the motorcade and I'm like sitting up on stage, like during the correspondence. Center. I don't what? even remember who was like telling the jokes. So that like night. if we go on YouTube, I was there for the whole thing. C-SPAN? Yeah, C-SPAN someone, video. Can, someone can find me. Were you, the, uh, serious? In, were you yeah, fat Camille, Camille or skinny Camille? Well, I'm his younger Camille. So do you have a huge afro? Little, no, fat no, short, short, <laughs> short. Um, and I'm, I'm somewhere between fat and skinny Camille right now. But yeah, that's, that's the time I rode in the motorcade and went to the White House. Correspondence right did, you, did you feel the power like just coursing through your veins? No, no. empire. No, I mean riding in the in the motorcade was pretty cool. Um, but Same. apart from that, no, not really. But you know what the worst the worst thing about the correspondence dinner is um, all the journalists talking about how much they hate the correspondence dinner. Isn't that this is a thing? The best and thing like, of oh, our, our friend. Like, oh my god, it's so self indulgent. Like, I, I love the fact that journalists decide that they're not allowed to have fun, and like it's so self indulgent. It's so like insular. It's so navel gazing. And every year, ninety percent of the journalists, most of them who don't go, uh, sit there and talk about how awful it is. It's just a fucking stupid are they, thing. Are they still doing who, it this year? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I mean, the Michelle Wolf thing um, yeah. is is kind of silly too, because. You know, the people have pointed this out, a very obvious point. They're jokes. Uh-huh. Relax, guys. It's a roast. Yeah. It's a roast. Well, it's is it, funny. Is it, different? is it different when you're selling jokes in the roast and like everybody knows you mean it? Like everybody knows that you actually believe that the best she's roast. a super duper liar. D- you mean d- it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's, it, it, it's less impactful. I if you, yeah. I laughed. I, it's funny. And like I... I laughed at I, I laughed at piece, all the jokes. I laughed at the abortion out soon, joke. Uh, that that is about comedy uh-huh. and about comedy at colleges and about uh, people being offended by comedy. And we have we have a comedian in it who's very liberal. Um, she's very well known, um, but she's very very left wing. You teased that here, and mm-hmm. uh, and she tells and I actually I, I can say because I tweeted it the other day. Uh-huh. It's Judy Gold, yeah, who has been on Louis' show. She's very very funny. She's like a comics comic. She's at the Comedy Cellar all the time. And we, we shot with her. Judy's fucking great. She's so funny. And she's like a total lefty. Yeah. And and she did two Sarah Huckabee Sanders jokes at the Comedy Cellar. And it was an amazing thing to watch because the audience, the New York audience, were so excited. She was like, Trump, this fucking Trump. I won't tell the jokes because they're going to be in the piece. And they're hmm. very, very funny. Um and she's like talking about Trump and how she fucking hates Trump. I fucking hate Trump and everything. And everyone's so excited, they're cheering, yelling. And she does two jokes that are so raw and so brutal that <laughs> they were about Sarah Huckabee Sanders that no one knew what to do. Because they're like, we laugh at these because we hate her it, too. It references the fact that she's a bit fat. It might. It might. <laughs> it might. It might. I don't know what you're talking about, man. But they're, they're, um, if you can cut it out, can you cut it out and I'll tell the joke now? Was desperately trying to use the Me Too hashtag. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. So, like, these are r- brutal jokes, but the entire audience had no idea what to do because we hate her. This is the right side of the issue, but it's the wrong subject. It's the wrong way of doing it. So, a question for you is Cut that shit out, by is, the way. Besides, cut that out. Um, yeah. That really great. You guys joke. are making it much harder for me to cut this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not you, like, you didn't talk about how we're cutting so it's, it out. it's only going to take you like 14 days it's a instead tease, of 11. So people watch the segment. True. Good yeah, point. Yeah. Um, but like, what's worse, their reaction in a New York comedy club yeah. 
or the journalist's reaction at the White House Correspondence Center and also the, the, the organization itself. It's like, you know what? That's just not in the spirit of the First Amendment. Fuck you. Seriously? Fuck you. That's, that's a little bit personal. That's, like, I'll give the, 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 the First Amendment argument of this is fuck you. Like you hire people to roast the current administration. Yeah. You do not hire people to, to kid glove this shit. The dirtier, the worse the jokes are, the most more uncomfortable the jokes, the funnier they are. Yeah. And I cannot believe that anyone would sit there and be like, this is, I mean, Maggie Haberman said it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just, so, you know, I think it's a little too it's much. Too it's like, far. They, made, they made fun of Sarah Huckabee. They didn't make fun of her appearance. There was things that might have alluded to it, yeah. but so what she if ne- they did? And, but she never, but she did really didn't do that. No, she um, didn't do that. Eye, which, the I, actual... which is a phrase that I've learned now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last night's program was meant to offer a unifying message about no, a common commitment to a oh, vigorous and free press while honoring civility. Great nope. reporters nope. and scholarship nope. winners, nope. not to divide people. Lies. Unfortunately, the a entertainer's monologue people. was not in the spirit a of that mission. Press well, free press is supposed to divide. People. Well, here's the here's God the thing because this is this is also Press Freedom Day. Um, and Camille's feeling is try. I, yeah, this is I am. Lats is stretching. Um, but this is also Press Freedom Day, and I think. I think the the actual awards that were given out at the event have not gotten much attention at all on account. Yeah, they haven't gotten much attention at all on account of the outrage over Michelle's jokes, all all of which it seems we thought were were just fine. She's funny. Had you Um, heard of her before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, she's funny. Um, I like her stuff. I'm out of the loop. But the but one of the awards actually went to CNN um, specifically for their reporting on the uh, the dossier and the the quote in there is something about you know how this actually these four journalists and a number of cnn reporters broke the story that our intelligence community had briefed president obama and then president Don- elect donald trump that russia had compromised informa- compromising information about trump the cnn team later reported that the fbi director jim comey personally briefed trump about the dossier hmm. thanks to the cnn investigation the dossier quotes uh, is now part of the lexicon. The depth of the reporting demonstrated in these remarks and important pieces and constant updates as new information continued to be uncovered showed breaking news reporting at its best. Um, there's something uh, there's something super self-serving about uh, the way press Freedom Day is being celebrated in this in this country. Uh, there are certainly places where it is really dangerous to be a journalist, where yeah. you are actually risking your life yeah. when you go and report on a like story. Afghanistan, two like days Russia. Ago. <laughs> um, talking about, yeah, the, the, the United the States. General, multiple journalists murdered in Afghanistan. Yeah, the yeah. The United States, on on the other hand, generally speaking, even under the era of Trump, when he is retweeting memes about body slamming CNN, the entire network as a as a wrestler or something, um, continues to not be particularly dangerous to do it here. And uh, I. Dis, I have a strong distaste for most awards to mm. that are given to journalists, and I to you. I think I think in general that the the stuff that like the Pointer Institute does on a regular basis, their annual list of media corrections, it's like far better, and the the celebratory, self important, self congratulatory, self serving overestimation of what it is that journalists do in this country and the role that they play in the country in terms of being the personification of truth is oftentimes it it runs counter to what might actually be useful in terms of creating a, a perception of 
what on earth it is that journalists do, the fact that the public who read and consume this stuff, it's not just that they should be read more, watch more, which is this massive campaign that was operated today, where it's not, don't just watch CNN, read the Washington Times and the, and, and the, and the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal, yada, yada, yada. Not the Washington Times. Yeah, wouldn't say not that. Not that. The Mooney but, paper, yeah. But it's not so much read more and listen more. I, I think that there is room for scrutiny. And I think highlighting the places where the press has been wrong or mistaken, where they've engaged in a lot of rank speculation, where they've beat the drum on this Russia-Trump collusion narrative, so far as I'm concerned, in ways that don't make a great deal uh, of sense, or at least don't seem to eventually conform to the facts on ways that they've made errors in a particular direction consistently on places where they've They've echoed one another's stories with these breaking news um, things that turn out to either not be breaking news or just turn out to be not true because we got the wrong dates. There is an incuriousness about the the particular biases that seem to exist in the press today, the particular their their own inability to actually deliver the thing that they talk about most often, which is them being completely objective and and fearless in every instance, I don't think you hear and, and I just don't objective. know. I, I take your point. Well, but it's it's, a, it's objective and it's just objective. the facts and it's the truth. Most media bias, if we could put it in that way, is story selection bias. It's, sure. not, it's not about how stories are written. It's about what stories are written. Um, and I, I think the only thing that bugs me about this is this conflation of press freedom day mm -hmm. with somebody doing what they're supposed to do, which is uncover the fact that there was a dossier, the Steele dossier, mm -hmm. and that, that this was batted around and that it was done by an oppa research organization and then it got into the hands of the FBI, et cetera. That's an important story. It's also, whether, yeah. whether or not it bears fruit in the way that people want it to bear fruit is, is irrelevant. But it's an important story. They reported that story. The Times has done incredibly good journalism. Uh, the Post has done incredibly good journalism. It doesn't matter where you land mm -hmm. politically. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy that both of these organizations have been doing fantastic stuff. In many, and, in many instances, in they've, many they've instances, had some they, pretty, they some pretty ugly mistakes too, too. But like everybody screws up. But you know, Maggie Haberman, you can say what you will about her, is that Donald Trump calls her all the time. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that she's aggressively tweets negative things about him. <laughs> they have a great symbiotic relationship. They need each other and, and, and it works in a very particular way. But I don't like this press freedom conflation of that all of a sudden that, that, that we have to talk about press freedom in the U.S. The press is not under threat in the U.S. It is not. You can say, well, there's ownership issues. Mm -hmm. The ownership is Sinclair. There's been a, there was a thing about three, two months ago. Sinclair yeah, was the big. To, to say it's they're forgotten not, about To now, say they're not right? under threat is not the same thing as saying there are no threats to it, a there free are, press. There are always, there are yes, always, always threats persistent threats. Always a threat, yeah. threats to a free press. But one can you overstate be vigilant and be on guard about, about these things. But when you see um, other countries, I mean, mm -hmm. particularly, you know, European countries, I don't think of Russia and people getting, you know, shot in the back of the head if they work for Novoya Gazeta or they're doing things I'd against say that's Putin. A, that's perhaps a that's challenge to doing very, your job very, well. very, very bad. Yeah. And we know about that. But I mean, even the sort of democratic countries that have these threats to the free free press. When I was in Sweden in, in the 2000s, it was, you know, ranked above everybody else in the Freedom Index and the press freedom, et cetera. And they shut down a website for publishing Muhammad cartoons. That sort of thing, if that ever happened in the U.S., it would be absolutely bananas. I always think about the European example that we, we praise Europeans. We hold them up as these sort of exemplars of what we could be in the social democratic way. But, you know, I looked the other day because I've been in conversation with somebody. What is the unemployment rate in Spain? It's like 19% or something. 15%, mm. 19%, insane, right? 
What is it in Italy? It's about 11% in Italy. And I was talking to this person, a friend of mine, and thinking about like, we always are constantly praising Europe and this is press freedoms, et cetera, is that they will, sh they will arrest people for a tweet in England. Mm. They will shut you know, a website down if they have a, an offensive image on it or something. Or on the other end of that, you look at sort of unemployment. How long would a president last in the US if they had an unemployment rate of 15, 16, 17%? I mean, they wouldn't last for a minute. There'd be an insurrection. But the, the way we view European politics as this exemplar of what we should be doing as a sort of social democratic ideal is we talk about it in press freedoms like that. They always rank really high. But when you look at the fact they rank really high, but, you know, somebody like this kid, this fucking comedian, we didn't talk about this, Count Dankula. Did you see this? No. This uh, guy, this is oh an no. incredible thing in Scotland, who taught his pug dog to do a Nazi salute. Oh, yeah. 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 So, and, 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 and it, it, the, the pug dog does a Nazi salute when you say gas the Jews, right? It, it's offensive in about a thousand ways, but it, he's a comedian, it was a joke. You don't have to like the comedy, you don't have to think the joke is funny, but he was hauled into court. Does the, does, should England rank higher in press freedom than the US does? No, when these, fuck no, no, fuck they, no. People tweet things and they get hauled into court. People do the local police forces say, if you're thinking about saying this thing, don't do yes, it. Yes, there was this tweet the other day. It was like the North Cumbria police force or something saying, if, you, if you're thinking about whatever it was, do not make jokes of this. We are watching. That's a press freedom problem. If that happened in the U.S., if the NYPD said something, it doesn't even merit a notice in the New York Times that England you know, the land of the Magna Carta or special relationship is doing this stuff. It doesn't even get noticed in the U.S. If something like that happened, it's always the thing. It's like we're we have a huge number of problems, but they're not that bad ultimately because we don't have 15 percent unemployment like Spain or, you know, 10 percent unemployment like Italy. And we don't have people going to jail for dumb tweets. We don't. We have people complaining like, oh, I have to go to the other alt-right fucking, what is the alt-right Twitter gab or something? Because uh -huh. Twitter Twitter shut me down. It's a private company. Sorry. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about you. But if the, <laughs> the government is doing this in other countries that are democratic countries that we like and we visit and are allies, that's a problem. There that's, was a, a, that's press freedom. There was a moment like 10 years ago or so, uh, maybe a little bit less, um, after the uh, U.S. recession in which... A lot of really uh, would-be smart thinkers, Ezra Klein is the one that comes to mind here, uh, were saying because uh, certain American newspaper companies are having a hard time, we should recognize that we need to go to a European model of newspapers. Funding. Funding, yes. Yeah. So like yeah. the state funds newspapers, the parties fund newspapers, mm -hmm. and this is, and you know, subsidy. We have to like, like get, our, get our minds, or you know, yeah. free our minds from... From the from the horrible word of subsidy and just recognize that that's the best way to we do had, it. We had a little bit of an exchange about this kind of thing with uh, Brett, with Brett last week. Well, not last week, but on the last dispatch. The amount of ignorance to suggest that Europe, Western Europe, has a positive model of journalism that economically that the United States should adopt yeah. mm -hmm. is shocking. It is shocking. I mean. Michael is someone who's lived in Sweden and I, I, you know, in England before they like punched him and kicked him in the, in, in the balls uh, and whatever. Um, it's ridiculous. The, the, the vibrant media in, in, uh, in Europe is, 
and you'll correct me or like yeah. adapt me here, is French magazines, like Paris Match, which is yeah. great. Like French magazines are really, really well done and they're profitable and good. Um, British Fleet Street newspapers, although they're all condensing and getting smaller and whatever, but like it's a vibrant. They're not subsidized. But they're not subsidized. No. Um, and I, I, you know, the the build group of tabloid newspapers. Biggest biggest newspaper in Europe is Build. Um, Across Europe is the biggest newspaper. And yeah. and there's versions of that in, in, yeah. in, in, in uh, the Czech Republic. It's Bleak and Bleak, yeah. whatever, yeah. and Blesk, and yeah. I think in. Uh, and then Bleak in Switzerland. Yeah, a in other places. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like super tabloid. Yeah. But that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, I actually, Vice was out there in in uh, in the early days, but like the places that you go for quality and talent out there is has nothing to do with subsidies. And importantly, and this gets lost, is that you take the biggest, fattest newspaper in all of Europe, and I don't know what that is now. Maybe El País, probably not, but like you know, whatever. Um, that, Sunday papers in England. Yeah. It's going to be dwarfed in size by the Sunday New York Times. Sure. By all, by the, like the Sacramento Bee, it's probably going to get dwarfed by. Um, like there is no model of state interference into media, which makes more and better media as far as I'm aware. Well, the big problem that you get with this, and we saw it recently in Sweden, is that Sweden does this, uh, this thing called press third, which is like press support. And all the news- like press turd. Press third. Yeah. S-T-E-D. Yeah. But press third is like, you get these subsidies from the government. But they, they, they came up with a problem fairly recently. And, and because when I was in Sweden, the far right parties, Sverige Demokraterna, basically had 1% of the vote. Now they're sort of poll at like 18, 19, 20%. And they have a newspaper. And the government doesn't want to fund it because they have a certain amount of readership and they meet all the criteria for, for, for getting press support from the government. And then all of a sudden the government's like, yeah, we don't want to do that. We don't want to support what we believe to be a fascist uh, publication. So there is ultimately the problem of the government trying to, uh, of supporting and underwriting ideas that they don't like. This, you know, and that's, that's what you, it's what you, it's what you worry about. And like, I don't like their ideas either, but you know, by their own logic, they should be supported by the government. I don't, I don't want them to be, but, but by their standards, they should be fully supported like everybody else. Is it, is it worth underscoring whatever concerns the, the two of you uh, and perhaps me as well, maybe you Fisher have with respect to things that are potentially problems for the press domestically here in the United States. Here's a fucking problem. Moynihan mentioned Sinclair and I've mm -hmm. written a few things that you can look at reason about this. Mm. Ed Markey, you mean Ed Markey accent? Fucking Ed Markey, dude! <laughs> what are you talking about, Sinclair? <laughs> Don't fucking, Sinclair's doing all this fucking shit, dude. Let this be my some idiot wrote this, because yeah. Ed Some idiot was elected to office. <laughs> where did the, where, who is Ed Markey? Ed Markey? It's funny how everything, Not Peter every, everything in Boston, it's always like you have to have something that sounds terrible with a Boston accent. <laughs> like uh, like they have a, a the card that you get to go to the subway, like a Metro card in New York. In New York, uh, in uh, Boston, they had to call it the Charlie card. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a fairly, fairly, it's a fairly new thing. It's a, it sounds what awful they, in a Boston accent. What they, Maki, Charlie card. What do they call the fucking lawn chair that they put in the snow to make sure that you don't park in somebody's spot? They call it a fucking thing to keep these fucking losers out of your spot. <laughs> and we don't have a fucking name for it. So Ed Markey, nine months ago, or even less, right? Trump says some stupid ass shit about like how, um, well, maybe we should look into NBC's broadcast licenses because yeah. it's fake news and whatever. Yeah. Ed Markey like writes a letter. 
makes a statement saying Ajit Pai needs to come clean and and just say, because I think he's being late. And this is like within hours of Trump saying this. And by uh-huh. the way, it is a terrifying statement, too. It's just totally, record, yeah. a totally terrifying, yeah. awful statement, uh-huh. proof yeah. positive that anyone who supports Donald Trump does not support free speech. They just don't. Or they are yeah. not educated on free speech. Literally. Yeah, Gavin, I'm talking true. to you, bro. Like, <laughs> don't fucking tell me about his, like, he's a free speech champion. He, the, the dragon energy is that. No. So um, Trump says this thing, um, and it turns out, so Ed Markey says, I want Ajit Pai to state definitively that he's not going to allow for a politicized review of broadcast licenses based on people's political views. And of course, Ajit Pai, not of course, but Ajit Pai, who's been on the show before, um, had said three weeks before, like, you know what? All these people on the right want me to review broadcast licenses based on content. And that's really stupid and wrong. And we're not going to do that. A point that he reiterated on our broadcast, Mm -hmm. podcast, whatever you call it. Um, And then, you know, within hours, Pai did that again for Ajit, for, uh, for Ed Markey, Ed Markey. Um, So what happens in the wake of the stupid Sinclair crap? And to remind people, Sinclair is a company that owns and operates 193 local TV stations in the country, of which there are 800. We're talking about terrestrial broadcast stations. If you don't have cable, you have ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, right? Big four, which are in 97% of the country. Of those big four... Even though you might be at home, you're, you're, you're some of the 91 percent of the country that has cable and everything else. So, like, it's not there's no such thing as a big four. But let's pretend that you're that nine percent that only has those four and maybe a couple of other locals. Sinclair owns those locals. Right. Uh, owns about 20 some odd percent of those locals. So they had come out with a uh, a promo ad. That was uh, very uh, creatively edited by Deadspin, in which yeah. uh, and Sinclair's right leaning. It's definitely pro Trump, and and it has a lot of nightmare people involved with it. <laughs> and and this uh, and this it does. Uh, and, and this promo ad is terrible, and it's especially terrible with the creatively edited thing where everyone's saying the same thing. Right, reading um, from that script, which I think the the tagline was like uh you know this is a this is dangerous for democracy. Mm-hmm. Fake news is dangerous for democracy. People are like, "Oh my god, they're saying fake news is dangerous for democracy. This is terrible." <laughs> Come to find out, they own 193 stations. Do you know how many stations that went to actually? Mm. Less than 100. Huh. Right? So this thing that we all panicked about. I didn't panic about. It. Uh, but that, that yeah. the, the media class yes. uh, panicked about went to like 83 stations mm-hmm. out there. It was repeated a lot, whatever. And it was just a promo ad. Meanwhile, have you noticed when you go to, I don't know, the New Yorker, what their like pop up promo ad? It's like, we don't do fake news because democracy is important. Democracy dies in the darkness. <laughs> the, darkness. the Washington yeah. Post, democracy dies in darkness. I was on MSNBC talking about this stuff with Jonathan Capehart from the Washington Post. And everyone was in full outrage. Like, oh, this is terrible. This is censorship, First Amendment stuff. I'm like, bro, your thing says democracy dies in darkness. I don't see a lot of room in between this. So Ed Markey, to get back to that point, less than nine months after insisting that Ajit Pai come out once and for all and say... I am not going to let this sort of politicized view go into the the consideration of broadcast licenses. Co-signs a letter, 12 senators, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, anyone who was running in 2020. What does the letter say? 
I think that you should do an investigation into Sinclair Broadcast Group and think <laughs> about revoking their licenses. Right. Because they are doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And we think that they're engaging in propaganda instead of actual news. Mm-hmm. That is where the free speech argument is in the Democratic Party right now. It is a mainstream idea that the Democratic Party wants to reverse Citizens United, which is a Supreme Court decision that overturned the effective banning of a documentary. (laughs) This is where they're at right now. So don't fucking tell me that the White House fucking correspondence fucking dinner had anything to fuck to do with a fucking First Amendment and free speech. It fucking didn't. The people who did that didn't say one goddamn thing about the fucking sex trafficking act that that was passed a month and a half ago, overwhelmingly Hmm. that retroactively and unconstitutionally makes criminal any kind of action that happens between commenters on on a website in defiance of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. My God, to hear people sit there and talk about the importance of the First Amendment and all this kind of crap in this context in which we actually see threats to the First Amendment, the same people talking about this Talking about the opposite of this eight months later. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big cresting wave and then he just kind of collapsed and said, I'm Dude, over it. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. That's, that's how we do. It was the that's air. F- yeah. It's a little bit, little bit of, ex- of exhaustion, but but that was worth it. That's worth it. Exhaustion. We should go. We should. Matt's um, pouring another drink. That means we should go. Yeah. yeah. Well, episode, episode 100. 100. That's how we do it. We're going to get the hell out of here. Um, thank you, fine people. Um, and uh, we'll see if we can get another 100 more in there. All right. All right. Bye. Later. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Trojan Hawk.